sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone this morning. May grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you. We certainly had a blessed meditation on the mercy, goodness of the Lord, what God has done for us in so great salvation. And as we look at the Word of God further, we have God revealed to us in the pages of His Word. He's given us a knowledge of what He is like, and I would like to uh, focus on that this morning from Isaiah chapter 35, if you would turn there. Isaiah 35, and we will see this morning... Some of the mind of God. Are we on? Sorry about that. I think the water went down the wrong way or something. Just suddenly didn't work. So if you're there at Isaiah 35, I'd like to read this uh, passage. Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up, up, go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now this passage tells us what God thinks and what God wants for his people. And as we read through this, as you um, think of that last verse, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. Is that you this morning? Do you have songs and everlasting joy upon your head? Have you obtained joy and gladness? That's God's will for you. Now, as we read over this, you may probably correctly understand that this is talking about a future time. And you may be thinking, okay, so Larry is going to be talking about eschatology again this morning. Well, yes, uh, perhaps so. But I'd like for us to understand why this is in the scriptures. It's not just to tell us about future things, though it does that, but it is to give us a mind or an understanding of the mind and heart of God. And it's meant for us today, not just for some future time. But as we read over this, there is in it the just a very clear picture of a future that is far better than what we know today. In the days that Isaiah wrote this, would have been during the time of the kings. Uh, He was a prophet during the reign of King Uzziah, uh, during the time of Hezekiah, and I believe one or two other kings, uh, perhaps put to death under the reign of King Manasseh. It would have been a time when there was a nation of Israel. They had their own land, though it was divided into two kingdoms, but they ruled over their own land. 
they had a temple. The people gathered there to worship at the temple. They were even gloriously delivered from their enemies. Uh, Under the time of Hezekiah, when the Assyrians came up, and Hezekiah sent to Isaiah to inquire what the Lord would have to say. And so Isaiah was able to give him the word of the Lord. In fact, just after this chapter here in Isaiah, we have the account of how that came to be in that uh, the Assyrians coming up against Jerusalem. But in this chapter, Isaiah is talking about something grand, something great in their future, something they could not quite probably understand, but The picture there is he begins in the chapter, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Now they knew something about deserts because they had wandered in a desert for 40 years and where there was scarcely any water and there was very little vegetation and it was, it was a barren land and yet here Isaiah gives them the picture that this wilderness will blossom like a rose. Isn't that like, uh, like the garden, like a garden of Eden? It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord in the excellency of our God. And as... Uh, The scripture that was read this morning in Isaiah 55, it talks about all the trees shall clap their hands. What what is that? Trees don't have hands? But all the trees shall clap their hands. Well, it's just a word picture of how marvelous and glorious it will be when when everything is, is abundant, it's pleasant, it's great. They shall see the glory of the Lord in the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are very fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Our God will come and save us. What could be more glorious than that? This was before Christ's first coming and before his second coming, but this was Isaiah's message. Your God will come and save you. Do we look forward to that when God will come and save us? That's the eschatology part of it. Yes, God will come and he will save us. He will deliver us from this present evil world. He will come, yes, with vengeance. That is said repeatedly throughout the scriptures. God will come. His reward is with him. He will reward the wicked for their wickedness and reward the righteous for their righteousness. And our God will come and save us. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. There will be this time when people will be healed of their afflictions. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. And that which was just wilderness and barren will bear abundantly. There will be streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lays shall be grass with reeds and rushes. So in this picture here, here is a people who have been told by the prophet here that God will come. God will come and that which is barren will be abundantly fruitful and there will be streams where it's now just parched ground. People's afflictions will be healed. And there is a glorious future when God will come and save us. So here we are, these thousands of years later, and we know that God came in the flesh. He came in the flesh to save us. We also know that he's coming again. We're told that he will come the second time without sin unto salvation. He's coming to save us. He's coming to deliver us from this present evil world. So our God will come and he will save us. That's the message here. This is the heart of God. When this happens, or when he comes to save us, what will it be like? There will be streams in the desert. The lame will walk and the blind will see. The parched ground will become a pool. Well, let's look further what will happen. And an highway shall be there, and a way. It shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. The redeemed shall walk there. There'll be a highway for the redeemed. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sigh shall flee away. Isn't that marvelous? Now, what is God trying to tell us in this passage? Well, I see several things here. First of all, if we look at the fullness and the the ultimate realization of this passage is yet future, even for us today. There will be a time that we can only faintly imagine or see where those who today are blind will have their eyes open and those who are lame will walk. 
and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. There will be a time when the waters will flow through the land that is now desert, and it will be like a garden. There'll be a highway there, and on this highway the ransomed, the redeemed shall walk there. Nothing will harm them or hurt them. There'll be no lions or ravenous beasts there. They will be without fear, and there'll be everlasting joy upon their heads, joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. If we could just all go there, wouldn't that be wonderful? So that's the ultimate picture. But what did it mean for the people, God's people, who heard the words from Isaiah? Well, The first fulfillment of this passage was when Christ came. And as you will see as we go through here, many of these things were fulfilled when Christ came. It says they shall see, in verse 2, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And when Christ came, they were able to see His glory. We beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so He was speaking there. He preached to strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Yes, even God with a recompense, He will come and save you. So that was the message that came in the days of Christ. Christ was like that stream of water in the desert. He said, I am the living water. And he talked about the well there. He told the woman at the well that if she would drink from this well, she would thirst again. But if she would drink from the living water, she would never thirst again. He became that stream in the desert. But there will come a second fulfillment of this passage and the ultimate fulfillment that we also can look forward to and and partake of that marvelous promise in the glorious future. But I believe this passage wasn't just given to us to help us to understand what will come in the future. Yes, it's all of that. It's also a, a marvelous promise that we can claim and cling to as to what God has prepared. But it also reveals to us what God's mind is and what his kingdom looks like. In the prayer that... Christ taught his disciples to pray. It said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God reveals to us 
what his mind is so that we can understand what his kingdom looks like. And this gives us a very uh, direct picture in what God's kingdom looks like. The future that God has prepared for his people, the redeemed, the ransomed, helps us to understand what God's mind is and what his kingdom should look like. Yes, we think of it as future, but I'd like for us to think of it as today. And in particular, I would like to focus on verse 8. It says, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Now, you may ask, so what does it mean when there's a highway? Well, in the future, when, when Christ returns for the second time, There may be an actual highway. There seems to be some other passages that also speak about a highway. But I'm not sure that that's what we need to focus on this morning because there is a very clear and direct application for us today in this passage. When it talks about a highway, that theme was repeated various times in the scripture, as you recall there in, well, let's just turn over a couple of chapters to chapter 40 of Isaiah and verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And there's other passages likewise where uh, it talks about... um, In in the future, Jerusalem, it says, uh, open the gates and make, um, and it talks about gathering out the stones and, and making a highway. Well, we know what a highway is. A highway is a path that has been made for fast and easy travel. It takes the high places and brings them down, and the low places are filled in. Things are widened, and a path is made so that it's straight and plain. And there are abundant examples of that. A local one, of course, is the one there at the intersection between uh, Interstate 80 and 380. And... As I was thinking of that, I recalled back in the days when that interchange didn't even exist in the way that we know it, uh, what they're currently changing it from. I remember the day when 
218 from Highway 1 to that intersection did not exist. It was nothing but cornfields and uh, ravines and trees. And yet they smoothed it out and made a highway. And now in the current construction where they are removing some of the old and they're making lots of changes and they're moving mountains and leveling places and raising up some and putting down some and and in the end there will be a highway there. And it will carry much more traffic than what it did before. They are working to build a highway. So the concept of building a highway, we, we know what that means. And that, I think, is the picture that God wants here for us. And highway shall be there. But what kind of a highway? Well, it says here that it shall be called the way of holiness. The way of holiness. This highway will be called the way of holiness. And I believe we should take lesson from that for us today is that we today should be walking in a highway of holiness. That's what this passage means. A highway of holiness. Holiness is not something that's just done in a secret corner. Our life should be holiness unto the Lord. It says, the unclean shall not pass over it. And I'm not exactly sure what all that means in the future, but today, this highway of holiness is not the path that the unclean walk. They don't go that way. This highway is for the righteous. It's for the redeemed. And it's also, I believe we could say from other passages, that we should invite other people to walk this way of holiness. But we should look at it as our responsibility, both to make sure that that highway is there for ourselves today. Because as Isaiah said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight paths, make an highway unto our God. So this Highway is not something that's just prepared for us, but we should be building and making sure that there is a highway of holiness. It shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. And this uh, terminology here of not erring therein, it has the idea of not going the wrong way or not stumbling or not uh, groping about or, or being tossed going this way or that as if you're losing your way, but it's a straight and plain path that a wayfaring man, though a fools, in other words, not very learned. He might not understand many things, but he can see this highway of holiness. Well, if we turn to the New Testament and read about holiness, it's all throughout the New Testament. 
the passage that was already read in the opening message from 1 Peter, where it says that as he which hath called us is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So what does that mean? What does holiness look like today? What is a highway of holiness? Well, in that passage in in 1 Peter, it says, holiness in all manner of conversation. That means in every area of your life, holiness, holiness, holiness. Every area. So time would really fail us this morning to talk about all the areas where this holiness should be manifesting itself. But let's consider just a few. Many of which were even mentioned in the opening message. But fervent charity one for another is part of the holiness. That should be a big highway and a plain path for everyone to see. Submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God should be part of that highway of holiness. Guarding our lips that they don't speak evil and that they say no guile should be part of that highway of holiness. Part of holiness is spending time with God the quiet time. Abiding in Christ is part of this holiness. But a holiness is not measured only by the time we spend with God. In other words, if I spend more time tomorrow than I did today, does not just directly correlate with more holiness. Though Certainly nothing against spending more time with God. That's, that's good and right. And we must do that for that communion with God upon which our holiness is, you know, that's where the foundation is. But holiness is something that must be demonstrated in all of our life. Holiness is separated unto God. And when you think of a highway, a highway is a plain path. It's been made smooth. The high place is brought down, the low place is brought up, and it enables us to go in a more direct and easy path. And, and we're not talking here about an easy life necessarily. We're talking about a testimony of straightness, a testimony that will guide us, or not the testimony, but this direction, this highway, will take us through life in a plain path. In this passage here, in Isaiah 35, in verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees, That is repeated again in Hebrews chapter 12 
And there it says, in this place where it says about strengthening the weak hands, it makes straight paths for your feet. Straight paths. Your life should be a testimony, an example of what it means to walk in holiness. There should be that highway being prepared, and we are both building it and walking on it, if you will, because the holiness is something that God works in us. Our life needs to have that testimony of holiness. Holiness means separated unto God. Just like that highway takes you out of the bypaths and the small trails and the things that obscure the path where you might get lost. It, it's a plain path. You, you walk forward in it and you have a life that is a demonstration of the power of God working in you. That's holiness. Holiness is separated unto God. The opposite of holiness is to be entangled with the things of this world where you are not separated unto God. And you say, well, what is this world? Well, the most important fundamental thing to remember is that this world has rudiments. You know what rudiments are? If you study rudiments of music, which is where we often use that term, we study the elementary steps, the first parts, the, the basic things. And when you go to elementary school, that's where you start learning how to read and how to do your math and all the basic things. That's, that's where you learn the first steps. This world also has elements. It has basic things. There is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the elementary things of this world. And that's what we need to be separated from. An element of the world is pride. An element of the world is foolishness. An element of the world is seeking after pleasures more than the things of God. Those are the elements of this world from which we must separate ourselves if we're going to walk in this highway of holiness. Highway of holiness means that I choose to walk in the way that demonstrates that I am separated unto God. And highway shall be there is there a highway of holiness at Zion Christian Fellowship and a way there's a highway and it says and a way if we understand that word way we could compare it with what it says in Proverbs where it says go to the ant thou sluggard consider her ways and be wise 
That word ways there in plural is the same word as here singular. Ways. If you go to the ant and consider her ways, it's not just one thing about the ant. It's about how the ant lives and what the ant does and what the ant could give as an example to the slugger. Because ants, very interesting, they harvest their food in the summer and store it up for the winter. The ants labor together. They don't have a ruler or overseer, but they all work together. And when their, um, their crop is harvested and put in the storage chambers, if it gets wet to where the seeds would sprout, they bring it out and dry it in the sun. And then they, once it's dry, they take it back into their chambers and pack it in there because they are diligent. They are wise in their ways. And the sluggard should take heed. It's the ways. Not just one thing. And so, an highway shall be there and a way. It's a way of life. It's not just one thing. It's a way of life. That needs to be holiness. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness means being kind at home. Holiness means not being so entangled with the things of this world in terms of money that you allow it to choke out the important things in life. That's holiness because you're not following the rudiments of the world. The world looks after all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a principle that the holy live by. It says that the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein, or they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. What might that mean in this picture of holiness? My mind went to the New Testament where Jesus said that no man can pluck you out of my Father's hand. If we're walking on this highway of holiness, there is nothing that shall separate us from the love of Christ. We can walk in this pathway of holiness and we can rest in the fact that our God will keep us. He will preserve us from all evil. He will keep us from any ravenous beast or any lion. It's the path that he's chosen for the redeemed to walk. And if he is with us, we shall not be dismayed and we shall not lose our way. 
It says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now as we think about the future land that God has promised, he has said that when the Lord rules over all the earth, then righteousness will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. None of that will be gone. It will be there. All sorrow and sigh shall flee away. As we ponder that and let it sink in what God really wants for his people and then begin to to just meditate on how that should represent what he wants his kingdom on earth now in the present to look like. We begin to see the heart of God. God wants us to walk in righteousness, in a highway of holiness. It's not just for some future land. It's for now. In his kingdom, he wants his people to walk that way in holiness. The way of holiness. It shall be called the way of holiness. It's a manner of life. It's not just... The the picture is not just making one trip from point A to point B and and there you are. It's, It's if point A is the beginning of your walk with God and point B is the end point, then maybe that would represent it. But it's a picture of your life. It is a way. It shall be called the way of holiness, the life of holiness, the the all-encompassing picture of our life is to walk in holiness. Now I believe some of you, maybe most of you, are sitting here thinking, well, how, how could I be holy in all manner of conversation? I have trials, I have temptations, I have messed up. Uh, my life surely doesn't look perfect. I, you know, how, how can we walk in a highway of holiness? Well, there's a way to get there. And John the Baptist, when he came to preach, prepare ye the way of the Lord, what was his message Repent. So in every place and in every way that we have not been walking on this highway, just repent. Turn, turn, turn. And get on the highway. And that's, that's very simple. Maybe not easy, but it's simple. 
turn from anything that is unholy and let your life become a picture of walking in a highway of holiness. Let's just close with a prayer. If we bow our heads, let's pray. Father, we come this morning and you've shown us such a beautiful picture in this passage in Isaiah of what your kingdom looks like. Both the future kingdom, which we have the promise that if we are faithful, we shall be part of that kingdom where our God shall come and save us. But, O oh Lord, I pray that this beautiful picture might also be formed in us today as we walk in this highway of holiness. Our God has come in the flesh, the Lord Jesus, to save us. And he has the ability to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we might be made the righteousness of Christ and walk in this highway of holiness. Lord, help us to do that in all manner of conversation. And in those areas, Lord, where the mountains are high and need to be brought low, I pray you would help us to do that in the valleys that are low and should be brought up, that there might be a straight path made and a plain path for a highway of holiness. O oh Lord, help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.